We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good Minute Hummel podcast, and we got Robbie Hummel. I'd known you since you were a kid. I could blow my knee out, both knees, and still kick your ass. <laughs> we're trying to find the Robbie Hummel statue. I wanted to kill you. <laughs> and now welcome to an episode of the Goodman and Hummel podcast. It is going to be the best episode that you've ever heard in this podcast feed. Obviously, I am not Jeff Goodman. My name is Rob Dahlstra. I got Robbie Hummel here with me. And uh, me and Robbie were texting and we decided that um, he was tired of having someone on the show with him that didn't know basketball, that didn't yeah. know how to dress well. Um, so we decided yeah. to kind of like up the level of talent of ball uh, knowership on this podcast. So he invited me on. Robbie, what's going on? I appreciate it's, you allowing me to grace this podcast with my presence. I will say it's nice to just have someone on here who's not going to bring down the credibility of this <laughs> podcast. Jeff has really been detrimental to that over the last, well, I would say probably three years, but really heavily in the last two months where it's every prediction he makes is terrible i i think we might need to fire him i i don't know what else to do with with this guy yeah it's a it's a good thing he doesn't have access to field of 68 funds on his betting account so um <laughs> it was uh it, it is funny though because there's like half the time you guys do an episode i'll get a text or two from someone being like why does robbie still associate with goodman and only like half of them are joking <laughs> you should it's amazing how when i go places mostly media days where you get to see the coaches in a more like non-scripted format so many of them are like why do you do that with jeff <laughs> or why do you take that from jeff and uh yeah you know i ask myself that sometimes too why do i put up with goodman because you get moments like what happened on your Peacock broadcast uh, last week. For people that didn't see it, there was, I, I believe he was a former Michigan State manager or GA or walk-on. He was someone with Michigan I State. I think program. he was a walk-on turned maybe GA, it sounds like. I, I'd have to double-check on that. But, yes, he, he was associated with the Michigan State program at one point. And he was sitting directly behind the broadcast booth, and and he held up a, a, an image on his phone that said, Jeff Goodman cannot throw a football 20 yards. Just take me through what happened in that moment. <laughs> well, I didn't know until I saw it on Twitter. During a media timeout, I just happened to take a look at my phone and I saw the picture and I turned around and he still had it up. And I just, <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Um, yeah. So he must listen to the podcast and I agree. And there's no way Jeff can throw football 40 yards. He said he, he's going to do it in Charleston. 
He's he's, he's going to make his wife get his phone out, and she's going to film. Can you imagine him like getting a ten yard running start and just heaving it like fifteen yards? Because that's what humble, I envision going to happen. Humble. Okay, so I'm going to tell this story here because this is the perfect platform to tell the story on. When we were in Boca for the Field of sixty eight tip off, um, Dagan and I, Dagan Hughes, our producer. Uh, we're making fun of Jeff the entire time. Like, there's no way you can actually throw a football that far. There's no way you can throw that far. So he's like, watch this. Give me a basketball. So we're in the field of the the, the FAU uh, field house, their gym. And he takes a basketball and he tries to throw it. And it makes it to, like, the other foul line, right? Like, he may, was probably yeah, like, he can't even throw court. it full court. But here's the best part. Feet. Here's the best part, Hummel. He grabs his elbow. He's like, oh, that hurt. That hurt a lot. All right, give me the ball back. And he does it again, and then he gets it a little further this time. Like, it probably makes it just a little bit past the foul line. And he's grabbing his, his elbow again. He's like, oh, that one really hurt. He's like, give me the ball again. And he goes, and he throws it as hard as he can. And it makes it, like, he makes it almost to the other end of the court, right? Like, it was it was a decent throw for a, a 65-year-old man with a basketball. But he doubles over in pain grabbing his elbow. I don't know what he did, but he was so focused on trying to prove that he could throw a basketball the length of the court that he he damn near threw out his arm and he goes and he sits to do the show afterward and i swear it looked like he had an apple in his elbow whatever he did he really hurt his elbow the bursa sack had swollen up he's gonna have to have tommy john surgery off of those three throws i think <laughs> oh man that was so funny i was oh I god was my cat is hijacking hey! the podcast there you go <laughs> monty you can leave now that we're not cutting that out Hummel. that's staying that's in. fine he's yeah. uh he's a good cat <laughs> i love that you're now a cat guy i am I'm a, well i actually grew up with cats so we had two when i was a kid and we have monty now monty's my, like my, my cat, son my cat is an absolute psycho that will attack every single person that walks into the house my dog is a, is scared of everything so we have a a guard cat hmm? so we never have to worry about anything here all right let's talk about the big Ten because i kind of want to I think the Big Ten is fascinating this year, and this is mostly for uh, myself. You guys can listen in, but I'm trying to pick Robbie's brain on what the hell is happening in this conference uh, because we are sitting here. It is December 7th, and the much maligned Indiana Hoosiers are sitting at 7-1. and They're sitting at 2-0 and in the Big Ten. They are in first place. They have the best record in the conference. That makes no sense to me. So I want to start with this. To me right now, I think – I think Wisconsin is a team playing the best basketball in the Big Ten. You had their game at Michigan State where they won by 13. You've seen Purdue the last two games. You know this league better than anybody. Is How good is Wisconsin? Now, are they for real? Is this actually a team that can go out and win the Big Ten this year? I, I think that they are really good. You know, can they win the Big Ten? I I still think that runs through Purdue. Even though Purdue gets off to a one-on-one start in their December conference slate, I still think that they are, in my mind, without question, the favorite. Um, with that being said, Wisconsin has had an incredible two weeks. After the Providence fiasco, you could call it, I, I thought the game prior against Tennessee, they did some really positive things. And I think Tennessee is really good. So there's no shame in losing to them. But the way that they just got out-competed on the road – that was pretty shocking, um, but then give those guys a lot of credit because they have figured it out, beat a ranked Virginia team down in Florida, found a way against SMU, and then you know you beat Marquette on your home floor and you go to Michigan State. This is a heck of a stretch for them. Marquette on the road to Michigan State, on the road at Arizona. So I'm sure they feel like you know anything beyond this 2-0 start is just gravy, but – 
I, I like the way they're playing. I like their personnel. I don't think they got enough credit for the fact that they did start to put it together end of last year, make that run to the NIT. And you bring your core back. You've got a good point guard in Chucky Hepburn. You've got Stephen Crowell. You've got Tyler Wall. You add AJ Store. I, I really, really like their freshman, um, John Blackwell. I, I think John Blackwell is a, a he plays his role. He's actually been pretty good offensively. He really guards. You know, Connor Sejan is an all freshman guy last year in the Big Ten. He's barely playing. You know, that's he had a back injury. To me. But that to me tells me that their personnel mm-hmm. is pretty good because he is he hasn't shot the ball well. He was banged up. But I, I do think that Greg Gard was frustrated with maybe some of his lack of defense last year. And now that you've got Blackwell, who defends and has also honestly shot at a pretty good clip, and A.J. Storr, who, you know, I had not seen him in person until whatever day I was in <laughs> at Michigan State. What was that, Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. I hadn't seen him until uh That's until when you then. know the college basketball season is here, when you don't Yeah, it's like day it is. every day is the same, pretty much. Um, he's, he's got a, a real NBA body. I'm not saying he's an NBA player, per se, but he's he's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he's put together. He's got burst. He's athletic. Um, he actually did a lot of his damage against Michigan State from the three-point line. He hadn't shot it well in the season, shot it well at St. John's last year. But I just, man, I really like their team. And on top of that, they're doing things that they, A, did not do last year, and B, some things that they have not done in 25 years. They they get you on the offensive glass. Like, Crawl and Wall have been monsters there. Chucky Hepburn got big ones at the end of that Michigan State game. Um, they get to the foul line. They're much better shooting inside the arc this year. You know, they weren't an amazing three-point shooting team last season, but they really depended on the three because they didn't get to the line and they weren't good from two. So I just think when when you're looking at all those things, I think Wisconsin, without question, is one of the three best teams in the Big Ten right now. Yeah, so what's what's changed? You know, I watched that um, – I watched the Tennessee game, and, I mean, they looked fine. Like, taking a loss at home to Tennessee is not that bad. Giving up 80 points to Tennessee probably isn't the best thing in the world, but whatever, it's Tennessee. They're, yep. they're, they're going to be in the mix for an SEC title. Um, going on the road to Providence and looking as non-competitive as they did. Like, it wasn't just a beatdown, Robbie. Like, they – they I don't want to say they they quit, but they just kind of rolled over and, and let that thing play out. I think they were down by, like, 30 yeah. at one point in the second. No, game. they were. Yeah, it was a terrible game. And then uh, six days later, they turn around and they smack Virginia. Yeah. They held Virginia to 41 points. Uh, what What's changed? Why? How, how did it flip so quick? Well, I think Greg Gard really challenged uh, Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall, and those guys have totally responded. Um, just from an effort standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, Chucky Hepburn, to me, has really controlled games, and not necessarily with just his scoring. I thought his passing, his defense, some of the rebounds, the winning plays he made into the game were terrific. And I just think they're they're guarding better. You know, you mentioned 80 points against Tennessee. They're, they're by no means an offensive juggernaut. They're better, but they still aren't you know they're not 92 duke <laughs> you know like they they certainly have some limitations on the offensive end of the floor um i, I think it's a combination of things and then i i think guys kind of finding their roles and and understanding uh you know the standard that greg guard is is going to set for that team but i you don't see many teams go into east lansing and just punk michigan state and they went into east lansing and they punked michigan state and that that's now they're not in a good place, <laughs> but still an impressive win and, and, it, and really an impressive two weeks for, for the Badgers. Yeah. They, uh, 
they they surprised me. You know, I thought that they were going to be good, um, but I didn't think that they were going to be beat Marquette by double digits, go into yeah. East Lansing and look like the better, not just get a win, but like look like the better team, smack around Virginia a little bit. Are they, so you mentioned top three. Who Who's your top three right now in the Big Ten? I'd say Purdue, and then I would say 2A and 2B are Illinois and Wisconsin. All right. And then, and I think, and then a tier behind that, I'd put Ohio State. What sets Wisconsin apart from Illinois? That's a good question. I'm not sure that I have them ahead of Illinois per se, because I think Illinois is is gelling here and coming along and progressing pretty nicely as well. Um, I I don't know if anything does, to be honest with you. You know, I guess their resume sets them apart. They have a better resume than than Illinois, but Illinois has handled Rutgers in one of the tougher environments the Big Ten has to offer, and then gets a win against Florida Atlantic on uh, on Tuesday night as well. So. I guess if I'm talking about what sets them apart, well, head-to-head matchup against Marquette, you know, like Wisconsin beat them, Illinois loses to them at home. And I just think that probably uh, from a resume standpoint, if you're looking at the last two weeks, even though Illinois has done some some really good things, I think Wisconsin hasn't has beat in that regard. Yeah, we're going to find out a lot about both of these teams on Saturday. Um, yeah. Illinois plays Tennessee, Wisconsin plays Arizona. I'll tell you this, I was, uh, I was at the Illinois – FAU game and Marcus Domask, you know that meme he's, he's of, good. of Shaq being like, I'm I, I'm sorry, I was not familiar with your game. Yeah, that was me for Marcus Domask. I did not see him uh being a guy that could get you 33 the way that he did, right? Like everything was just kind of all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to my spot. I'm gonna Dude, elevate. He, he posted a ton last year. Yeah. He's actually pretty good at it too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he put 33 Obviously. up on Florida Atlantic in the garden. So um yeah. no, but I I we know how good that Illinois team can be defensively and everyone knows about the point guard issues that they have. Yeah. Having two guys now and not just like Terrence Shannon is really good. And he's averaging like 20. Hold on. What season. did you, didn't you tweet something about Terrence Shannon at me during the draft? Probably. I think yeah. you did. Probably. Should we, should we uh, revisit that? What was it? What did I say? I don't even remember. Something about me drafting him way too high and that he <laughs> shouldn't have even been picked, but I'm the GM of the year out here. You are. I have, I, I'm looking at Kempom, Terrence Shannon, fourth in the MVP voting. And, you know, first Good of all, him. Jeff, Jeff, again, bringing the podcast down, his draft picks were awful. And his, his selection process was even worse. You know, there's all these bigs. I draft Edie first. So, obviously, what you should do is then go and say, all right, there's, I could draft Hunter Dickinson. I could draft Donovan Klingon. I could draft Armando Baycott. I could draft. I feel like I'm forgetting one of the better centers uh, in college basketball. There's a million of them. There, there's yeah, a but there's, there's, a, there's a lot of them, right? Like, there's a ton of guys. And instead, he's just like, all right, I'll take Hunter. Just match me pick for pick instead of taking, let's say, a point guard. You know, like Tyler Kolek. You could say that he is probably one of the few elite point guards. Jeff, Jeff is really bringing this thing down. That, that's the only thing. That's my point. Jeff yeah. is bringing this. Thing yeah, I like how you you made sure that's the third time we've gotten to the Jeff is bringing down the podcast. Without him here, make sure well, you get it's, your it's the narrative in. that we need to push here. Yes, well, we know. But the thing, so my apologies to Terrence Shannon. I will take the L on that one, Hummel. Um, especially if he keeps. Thank you to to me and Terrence Shannon as his GM. <laughs> and uh, he's also a lot taller than I realized. Like I, I thought he was like six. Yeah, more, dude, he's a six freight five. train. He's yeah. six six, and he is like just in transition elite. Mm-hmm. He is awesome. Um, so when you have two guys that can go out and get their own shot like that, I think to me that's 
that's what I didn't realize Illinois had, right? Because if, if everything is on Terrence Shannon, I don't know if that's necessarily what you want to build an offense around. But if you don't have a point guard and you have two guys that can go kind of get their own, like, like and look, Florida Atlantic, their their wings are I love Elijah Martin and Nellie Davis, but they're like six three, six four. Yeah, Domask and Terrence Shannon are like six five, six six. And I think most high right. major wings are six five and six six, and they were able to take advantage of that. Um, but if you have two guys that can kind of go get your own and, and you don't have to worry about having somebody make easy stuff for other people, it might be a hard way to to win games. But when you are as good as they are defensively, I, I think it can yeah. work. I'm in on Illinois. No, I, I really like them too. And I think from a chemistry standpoint, they are substantially better from what we saw last year. Um, they I don't still, think it's hard to be substantially better. No, I mean, I, I think from, but look at like the shot selection last year. Mm-hmm. It was so funny to me that they shot the most threes on the, the worst or second worst percentage in the league when they were the best two-point shooting team in the Big Ten. And it was like they just refused to go to the basket. They refused to drive the ball. They wanted to shoot threes. And I look, they're, they're still going to shoot them. They're going to get them up. But I, I do think it's a much more mature group. Thanks to the uh, beauty of technology, I was able to locate this. Te- it was actually a text that was sent to me and Jeff from one Rob Doster. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Really, what you really, said? Really. Tell me what I said. After the pick was made, you said Terrence Shannon with the 12th pick is insanity, Robbie. Granted, he is now the fourth <laughs> candidate in Ken Palm MVP. And I said, who would you have taken there, Mr. GM? And you said any of your next seven picks, which I don't know who those were. <laughs> but then the quote of the year from Rob Doster, if Terrence Shannon played in the SEC, he would be Nick Smith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to, to be clear on that, to be clear on that, I was making fun of T.O. We have an inside joke where T.O. said if Drew Timmy played in the SEC, he'd be Tolu Smith. Yeah, and okay. you know what? That's That was unforgivable. That was on the All-American show last year, and he yes. he said, look, Tolu Smith is good, and I I understand that. But Drew Timmy is a three-time All-American. Yeah, so, Drew, but Timmy that, Drew Timmy. You can say what you want. The texts don't lie, Rob. This is what it says. Okay, so, so uh, that was... <laughs> You just outed me, man. No, look, Terrence Shannon has been awesome this year. He's been a lot better than I thought he would be. 12th pick, value pick. Value. He's a top five pick right now. I agree. But you know what? That's what GM of the year, Robbie Hummel. Let's go. Um, Let's go. No, I I do think that uh, I'm with you on the top three there. Talk to me about Ohio State because this is one that I like. I I, I think we all kind of came into the year saying, is this. Like, is Holt going to work out there? Is this is this the right fit? Is this something where it's going to be long-term? And they're, what are they, 8-1 and one now, 7-1 and one now? And they've they've been really impressive. They've been really good. Yeah, they're 8-1 they're and, one and, you know, certainly opened some eyes, I think, with the win against Alabama and then the way they just dump truck Santa Clara. Um, I, I did the game against Texas A&M, and they were right there for 35 minutes. And I think A&M is pretty good. When they're healthy, you know, their their guards are, are terrific with Radford and, and Wade Taylor. Wade Taylor went nuts in that game. Oh, he was – I mean, end of the game, he was just the best player on the floor. But but Ohio State was, was there. They competed. They've been much better defensively this year. And last year, Bryce Sensabaugh was a real talent, which is, you know, he's a, he's a first-round pick. But he was awful on defense. And, like, awful to the point where it was – it was hard for their team to guard because he was so deficient in, in that area. Um, I really like their guard play. 
I think that Roddy Gale has kind of built on what we saw at the end of last season where he wasn't just out there to defend anymore. He he was he was attacking, shooting the ball at a high clip last year into the season. And he's just his mentality has been that he needs to make plays. And I I love that for him. He's coming into his own. Bruce Thornton is is certainly the leader of the team. Their backcourt is great. You, know, you could make the argument that they have you could probably say they have the best backcourt in the Big Ten. I mean, you you really could if you're talking about one, two punches with those two guys. Jamison Battle is a shot maker, and I think with better talent around him than he had last year, maybe he can get back to what we saw him his initial year at Minnesota with, with EJ Stevens and, and Peyton uh Peyton Willis, where he did have a good year that year. He averaged 17, shot it from three. Um and then I, I think Zed Key and Felix Akpara are two very different but solid Big Ten players. You know, I, I think this is more of a a team that will will guard you. And last year it just snowballed. You know, they, they lost a couple close games and then it was just they could not figure it out. But I do give them credit for staying the course and those young guys got a lot of experience. And I think now it's paying off. I I, I like their team. And uh, certainly a big test for them here, not this weekend, but next when they, uh, they'll see UCLA. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. 
You know what's really impressive to me? You mentioned Zed Key. He was a guy that was a starter for most. He's of embraced his, his role. Year. Yeah, most of his junior year, and now he's coming yeah. off the bench, and he's, I mean, he's been great. He's done exactly what he's needed to do, and uh, he lost a ton of weight too. I asked him what what diet he's on because I need to get on it when I saw him <laughs> for A and M. And he said he just he ate a bunch of lean meat and vegetables and tried to cut out the junk food. And that's probably that sounds too simplistic, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's doesn't sound so hard until you, you know actually what it sounds do. like, Robbie. It sounds like a 22 year old's metabolism right there. Yeah, that I mean, that that helps. <laughs> and great. and the, you know, four days of lifting a week and playing every day that that helps, too. Yeah. Um, golf does not burn as many calories as uh, a Chris Holtman basketball practice. <laughs> Depends on if you walk. If you walk thirty six holes, maybe, maybe. But fair enough. Fair right enough. in the cart, yeah. not so much. Are, are you? So is this start for Ohio State real, or is this just something where I mean they 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 Texas A and M lost, uh, Alabama won, but beyond that they really haven't played anybody that difficult. Yeah, I mean Minnesota would be the next best probably team, and they they beat them by ten, got up by twenty. Minnesota kind of came back, cut it to five or six with with five to play. I, I I don't think it's fake, if that makes sense. I, I do think that the way they played AM, I thought they played well and they competed. Um, and then Bama is is very talented. I think Bama is still trying to put it all together and they've had some injuries and, and a suspension. Um, but there's a lot of new face in that Alabama team. Th- this isn't the toughest non-conference schedule that you're gonna see out there, but I, I do I do like their team and I do like the the way they're playing. So I will say that's that's why they're not in the same tiers as Wisconsin and Illinois. I put them behind there, but I look, you you play who you play and and they have handled business for the most part. All right, I want to ask you about two teams in the Big 12 that have me uh really really worried. Uh, the Big okay. 12, the Big 10. Um Maryland sitting here yeah. at 5 and 4, uh the worst three-point shooting team in the Big 10, the third worst three-point shooting team in college basketball. I mean, a terrific shooting, yes. Yeah, uh, th- I think Jeff Goodman would be the second best shooter on that roster <laughs> right now. Just, just ask him; he would, he would claim that. Yeah, not a good sign. Um, they've had some ugly losses. They got smoked by Indiana. They got smoked by Villanova. They lost to Davidson and UAB. Neither of whom look as good as what you would expect those programs to be. Uh, and then they won last night in overtime against um, Penn State. And then yeah. you have Michigan State, preseason top five team, started the season out four and four, just got drubbed at home by Wisconsin. And they have tied the worst start through eight games for any preseason AP top five team in the last 40 years. Uh, give me give me a panic meter on uh, on those two programs. Who are you more worried about right now? I think I'm more worried about Maryland because at least Duke or sorry, at least Michigan State has been like competitive with Arizona and Duke. They they have not won the games, but they've at least not they've they've not gotten blown out. Whereas Maryland's lost to Davidson, UAB, Nova, who's what, like a top 35 team. And if you're talking about Indiana, they're, they're probably Indiana and Ken Palm is like in the sixties and they, they scored 53 points. Their, their offense is horrible. They look disjointed. They've shot the ball so poorly. I don't think Maryland has great depth. So I'm, what am, how am I rating this? Like one to 10? Yeah, we can do one to 10. That'll work. All right, for Maryland, I'm going to go – I'm at like a nine. I'm a nine worried about about them. Uh, just because the expectations were so high and, you know, you get Jameer Young to come back, Julian Reese comes back, Dante Scott comes back, and they just – they have not 
figured it out. And the shooting is is really, really poor. Uh, Michigan State, I will put the number. I'll put the number at eight. Just to, just a hair under Maryland, I suppose, um, because of the fact that they they were they did have chance against Duke, they did have opportunities against Arizona, they still could they could get Baylor in what's a I guess pseudo home game in Detroit. So you, you at least have another one more crack at a quality non conference win, but they just seeing them play Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin comes into your building; they're ranked. Michigan State does not have a marquee win on the season yet. And to see them play with the effort and just the lack of energy that they had in that game, in that building, with what their season has been so far, you know, A.J. Hogard actually played better in that game. But I still just, you know, he he makes a couple threes, gets them back into the game along with Tyson Walker, and then just falls in love with the, the three-point shot. That's not what he does, you know, and I, I know Tom Izzo and him have had plenty of meetings, heart to hearts, <laughs> chats, whatever you want to call it. Like these guys have spent a lot of time talking about what he expects of AJ Hogard. And I just am like, you know, when he made him, I even thought to myself, this, this could be fool's gold. This could be one of those things where now he takes a couple more when he should drive it and make a play at the rim or make a play for somebody else. Outside of Tyson Walker, they they look so lost. And I will give Malik Hall. I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt because he had been sick from Friday to Tuesday. They didn't expect him to play. He tried to, to gut it out. He he did not look like he had much energy, which, you know, if you know, when you get the flu like that, that that just is what it is. But the, without him, they don't have anybody that can score with their back to the basket. Jay Nakins is he looks lost with his role right now which is crazy because I think he has every tool to be a, a high-level player, um, certainly at this level. And then just Michigan State talks about how they want to run. You hear that from Izzo. You heard it in the preseason. You've heard it over the course of this non-conference slate. They didn't run at all. They're not even looking. It was just a half-court grinded out. So it's like they are they just look so lost, which is pretty surprising. Now, if anyone can get them right, it's that dude. He He has done it before. He finds ways to to make his teams improve, but this is a huge game for them Sunday at Nebraska against the Nebraska team that looked horrible in the second half last night at Minnesota in a loss. Um, put fifteen thousand people in that building. Oh, that place will be packed. That place will be it'll be hyped. But I think for both those teams, Nebraska and Michigan State, must win. That that is a must win game, and then a huge opportunity for the Spartans against Baylor. But I I just. I don't like the way they're playing. It, it is a rough watch right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's fixable either without getting yeah. like you need without getting Jaden Akins to become a borderline All Big Ten guy, which is what I think a lot of us thought he would turn into this year, and without getting AJ Hogard to be the AJ Hogard that showed up for what like the last month of last season. I mean, yeah, it's just, like six games probably. Yeah, you're you're relying on a six foot guard whose strength is kind of creating his own shot and not making things easier for others to right. carry you in games and the the worrying part to me Robbie is that it feels like every one of these losses they just get down so big so early well, their start their starts are abysmal yes they did it again against Wisconsin it's like 12-2 at the media timeout Stephen Crowell makes two threes Storm makes a three 
I mean, it was the same thing with with the uh, James Madison loss. Same, same thing, thing with Arizona. With the Arizona game, same thing with the uh, with the Duke game. They're just digging themselves these massive holes, and then they got to find their way back out of it. And even, I mean, they they did the same thing. They they did cut that lead. I bet in the second half against Wisconsin, down to five or six. But man, you have to you have, you extend so much energy coming back. Why don't you just start the game off with the same sense of urgency? I don't know. the The AJ Hogarth situation is is certainly difficult as well. Um, I I just the shooting for them also. I mean, they just can't make a shot. So you you add up the the poor point guard play. Jay Nakin seems like he's lost in his role. The shooting is bad. They get nothing in transition. And you've got pretty much Tyson Walker, who can, who is honestly playing at a high level, creating for himself. And you've got a recipe for a team that's just not very good right now. You've got a recipe for four and four, is what you got yeah. right there. Um, I can't wait for Michigan State and Maryland to play um, because it will be the worst three point shooting performance uh, anybody be the, has ever seen. The battle of the panic meter bowl. <laughs> the panic meter bowl. All right. The last team I want to ask you about. Um, is Purdue and and first and foremost, I think my big question for you is, uh, how much are you rooting against Zach Eady right now so that you can stay in the top ten of uh, Purdue? No, that that players? ship has sailed. That that is <laughs> over with. You know, the only thing that I can think of is I I really wish that I hadn't. I missed four games as a sophomore. I missed the last like seven or eight as a junior. If I played, I would be in. A, I'd have more cushion. Is what I'm saying, <laughs> but you know, unfortunately, those things did happen. So, um, somebody tweeted at me like, "Hey, it only took you 13 years to get to that number." And in fairness, I didn't play that many games because I kept getting hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he's a beat. He could honestly break the all-time scoring record, which uh, Rick Mount has. He said it without the three-point line in three years, which is actually insane. Well, I mean, it's not like Zach Eady's out here firing up three. No, so. I know, but but the <laughs> fact Mount probably, I mean, I can't even imagine how many more points he would have because he was an elite shooter. So if he had the three-point line, he'd have a ton more points. And he didn't play as a freshman because they weren't allowed to back then. Um, Eady is a monster. He, he's going to win National Player of the Year again. Yeah, there's no, I, there's no, there's no one else that that is even in the ballpark. And I still don't understand that there's actually college basketball fans that think he's only good because he's tall. If you think that you are an idiot, like you really are an idiot. If you think that he, the way he moves at seven, four, like his footwork, the fact that he can change ends. I've seen seven foot, seven, two, seven, three guys that legitimately have a hard time running up the floor and changing, changing direction or running back. And this dude's playing 33 minutes. So from a physical standpoint, he is an anomaly. Well, that's like he is, that's the thing that stands out to me more than anything else is that he can play 38 minutes and not get tired. And that yeah. is, he's moving 300 pounds up and down the floor, sprinting up and down the floor, getting put in defensive actions every single possession, having four guys hang on him every time he touches the ball, and the dude doesn't get tired. Like, no, yes, I know. He's big, and it helps when you're 7'4 and 290 pounds. That's a good thing on a basketball court. But you're not going to be the national player of the year if you don't have, no. like, a nice touch around the basket and you don't know how to use your feet. He's still – he's to- good with his right hook. He can go to his left hand. He's, you know, he's certainly got some footwork that is is nice. I, I just can't believe that people actually think that. That is the dumbest take ever. He right, He so- is a monster. 
I, I do want to ask you kind of just big picture on Purdue because they they looked fantastic out in Maui, right? They beat Gonzaga, they beat Tennessee, they beat Marquette. All three of those are top 10 teams on Ken Palm right now. Um, we saw them uh, beat Xavier at home in a game where it, it was it felt like older brother just holding little brother off uh, with their hand like this. Um, they kind of smacked around Iowa on, uh, was that Monday night, yeah, they, Tuesday, they Monday night? Um, but in the mix, in the middle of that is a loss at home to Northwestern in overtime where some of the same stuff kind of popped up, right? Like you had some turnovers from Braden Smith. You had some uh, some untimely um, shot selection from Lance Jones. And you had a guy, a point guard, in uh, in Boo Booey go for 31 points, nine assists, no turnovers. He, he was phenomenal. Boo Booey yes. was incredible that game. So where do you – I, I kind of waver back and forth. Like there are some of the same things popping up. But to me, that just says more of you had a fifth-year senior point guard uh, playing at home, go absolutely bonkers and play yeah. the game of his life. And that's just going to happen in college basketball some nights. No, that, that's kind of – that was my takeaway as well. I, I think with Purdue – um, certainly the turnovers and then the, the three point shooting around Edie is going to be important all season long. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of been the story for them for the last two years as they've built this team around, um, you know, their seven, four center, they didn't shoot the ball. Great. The turnovers were, especially they had four turnovers in overtime and they got, they led by four to start. And then I think with the way, you know, certainly I, I have some concern, I think for Purdue, when you get into the NCAA tournament and you see some of the elite guards like that have shake and, and quickness. Now Lance Jones got in foul trouble and that, that definitely hurt that matchup. Um, But that, that's a, that's an area of, I think that that could be problematic for Purdue. When you see some of the really quick guards with a handle and boo boo, he, he exposed that, you know, he just got to his right hand, played off two feet, Made some tough shots. I mean, he he really did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they went under on a handoff in overtime, and he just stepped back and and made a three that cut their four point lead to one. He he was awesome, but they didn't do a good job defending Ty Berry or Ryan Langborg either. Like those guys, I, I think Northwestern's guards had seventy two points. Like <laughs> that is insane. Those three guys combined for seventy two or seventy three points. Um. So I, I do think that that's a concern. But at the same time, when you look at the box score for Purdue, on top of the turnovers and the poor shooting, you look at Edie, he he fouled out like Northwestern's entire front court, which he's mm-hmm. done to every team. Every team in Maui, Xavier, um, he did it again against Iowa. I mean, every team that they have played, their fours and fives have three, four, and five fouls. <laughs> like, they just, every one of them. So that is going to be so hard to contend with when you're playing Purdue the foul shots and I I just think what you said was was totally accurate it was the case of conference play the road is tough Bowie was unbelievable and you know Purdue kind of shot themselves in the foot but you still look at who they've beaten you know you beat Tennessee you beat Marquette you beat Gonzaga they've got huge opportunities coming up these next team like if you look at how Marquette's built they have a bunch they of would give them can, problems. Yes. The bunch of guards, guards that can get downhill and get yeah. to the rim and they press you and turn you over. And I, they, some of those issues they had at Northwestern were certainly issues against Marquette. They could not guard their guards late, but Marquette, you know, had dug themselves this hole and the foul line was an issue. And Igadaro's 
sat with four fouls for a, a, a large portion of that game. Um, but I just think that when you mix in the lack of three-point shooting, that is magnified. And that's what you saw at Northwestern. They weren't they weren't making shots like they did in Maui. They made a lot of threes down in Hawaii. Yeah, not Maui, I think Honolulu. I also think it helps that Braden Smith looks like he's taking Oh, he's a step. beast. Yeah. yeah, he has. He he totally has. And he he had a couple of turnovers that weren't good, but uh end of that Northwestern game. But he is he's a player. And I just like the fact that he's looking for his own offense because I think that that makes mm-hmm. Edie even tougher to guard, especially in pick and roll. Yeah, he he's gotten to the point where like he can get to that little 15 foot pull up going yeah. to his right and it's almost automatic and he yeah, can he's really basket. good he's he's tough too he's got some shit to him i think more than people realize just looking at him so um last thing i got for you real quick give me one team in the big 10 that people are not talking about enough someone from maybe the bottom half someone that got a little bit of hype earlier in the year that we're kind of forgetting about right now is there anyone that you think needs a little bit more attention is it northwestern is it Brooklyn? i mean i think it, it has to be northwestern um or it, i guess it could be indiana starting 2 and 0 but they they didn't exactly <laughs> you know you played maryland and uh they still haven't hit more than four threes in, no i i really Indiana worry State. about their their shooting is is not great they you know they beat maryland they beat michigan and honestly the michigan road win is is that's that's a good win for them with no Xavier Johnson, that, that's that's a good win. Um, I'll go Northwestern. I think you have to beat beat number one for the, the second consecutive year. Chris Collins has has done a phenomenal job. They they compete, they guard. Uh, Langborg finally got on track, making shots. The impressive thing too is that they beat Purdue and Brooks Barnheiser really didn't play all that well. He uh, he's been a guy that they really play through. But yeah, I'd, I'd go Northwestern. I, I think uh, the schedule hasn't been necessarily crazy outside of of the purdue win i think they beat dayton lost in uh connecticut to uh mississippi state but they uh they just have to hold serve you know their 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 schedule going into uh conference play is is not tough they can't afford to lose to detroit mercy or chicago state or depaul who lost by a million points last night they they've got it you can they've got to beat these teams over christmas yeah. Hey, are you going to go to uh, – there's two huge games in Chicago the next two Saturdays. We have Louisville playing DePaul, and we have Northwestern playing DePaul. Are you going to make it down to either of those? No, I will be uh, in Toronto this weekend for Purdue, Alabama, and TCU Clemson, and then I will be in Indianapolis for Ball State, Indiana State, and then Purdue, Arizona. <laughs> you got Double two header. games in one day? For both these weekends, yeah. Look at you. All right. Is wait is Ball State Indiana State is that at the in the same building? Yeah, yeah. it's like the that's like the precursor. I guess I don't know what they call it. like the the main the main draw the main card is uh, Purdue Arizona, but Ball State and Indiana State face off before that. Well, listen, Robbie, this was fun. Um, I'm sure it was nice for you to actually have someone on here that wasn't going to make you look like an idiot. I tried my best, even though you it had was. to throw Terrence Shannon back in my face. <laughs> um, and look, if we want to get rid of. Uh, you rid of Goodman for once and for all. We could just call this two Roberts, one podcast. I, I like that. I like that <laughs> idea. We can talk about that. All right, Robbie. Uh, safe travels um, this weekend and the rest of the season. It was good catching up with you. Thanks, Rob. Goodman and Hummel podcast, and we got Robbie Hummel. I've known you since you were a kid. I could blow my knee out, both knees, and still kick your ass. <laughs> we're trying to find the Robbie Hummel statue. I wanted to kill you. <laughs> 